have uh, taught the first three weeks of this is how we can begin that process of loving God with all of us. But then he said the second commandment, which is equal to the first, is then to love other people. But then we would say, okay, I, I hear that, but what does that mean from God's perspective to love other people? So let's see this morning if we can kind of begin to break that down and understand a little bit more about what that could mean for us. We're going to look first at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read through several verses. Um, let's start with verse 17. This is Paul writing, and here's what he says to the believers at the church of Corinth. Now, this letter was written knowing and intended to be passed around to all the churches, but he's writing it specifically here to the Corinth church, and here's what he says in verse 17. Uh, he says, this means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. Now, that's the goal for my life, uh, being uh, submitted to Christ, I want to become a new person, and I am in that process. It says the old life is gone, and the new life has begun. That is this whole process of us learning to love God with all of us, all of who we are. The old life is going away, and that new life is beginning. And we talked about that in the journals in week one, two, and three. And I really hope you'll go back and listen to that if you have not yet heard that. Let's go on. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And now, he says, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. So he says, God has done all of that for us, for you, for this church at Corinth. And he says, and now God has given you a task. God has done something for you, and now God has given you a task. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. And today... For me and for you, God is calling us to that second commandment that is equal to the first, the greatest commandment, love God, and the, the one equal to that, now love other people. And he is calling us to love other people, to do that by reconciling people to him, which simply means this, in my own language that I can understand, it means helping other people connect to Jesus. That is the job that Jesus has given us. He's given me, he's given you. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, connecting the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them, thank God no longer counting their sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Key word there. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. 
Oh, come back to God. Come back to God. He said, we're speaking for Christ. Now, an ambassador in this first century world that Jesus is writing uh, and Paul is writing these words and, and Jesus was living and going and dying on the cross for us, that first century world, when a country had a king, they didn't have presidents, they had kings and governors and rulers. When they had a king, that king would send ambassadors to other countries and that ambassador would speak on behalf of, for, in the place of, at that moment, for the king. He would take the message the king gave him and he would give that message with full authority of the king to whatever country he was sending that message as an ambassador. And now Paul is saying, you're an ambassador. Not just of a king. You're an ambassador, a representative of Jesus. You are speaking for Jesus, this is huge. He said, this is the job that I've given you. I've connected you to God. Jesus is saying, we're now connected, and now I'm sending you out with a job as an ambassador. Your job is to help people find their way back to God. That's what it is. Now, I have been involved in that process for a long time now. And I'm not talking about what we do here on Sunday mornings. Although this could be part of it. But I'm talking about what we do when we leave this building. When we step out of this building and we go to work and we go to our homes, that's really what I'm talking about. And I've had a lot of experience in that. Um, in fact, when I was 16 years old, um, I began, uh, we had, I, I went to a church that, remember I just told you, we're not going to show up at your house and knock on your door. When I grew up at 16, on Monday nights, those who were really, really committed <laughs> would show up on Monday nights at the church. They would give us addresses on cards of people who had been in the building and we would go out on, on Monday evenings, Monday nights, and we would go knock on their doors. And we would uh, share Jesus with them. There's nothing wrong with that. That method just really doesn't fit our culture today. Jesus didn't go out and hand out addresses. I want you to go see him. I want you to go see him. I want you to go see him. That's really not the way it was done. That's just kind of how we taught it back in the 80s. Last century. That's how we did it. And in fact, when I was 16 years old, we had a program that was called CWT. No reason for you to ever remember that, but that's just what it was called. And it stood for Continuous Witness Training. And we took a binder, a big, giant, thick binder that was full of uh, dialogue and verses that we memorized and conversations and we memorize at 16 and and other the whole church did it but I just happened to be 16 not the whole church but you know those who were part of this we memorized the whole binder 
and we even took tests, you know. <laughs> we memorized the binder, and then on Monday nights, that's what we went, and we would go to people's houses, we would knock on the door, they would answer, and we would begin with a series of questions, and then hopefully they would let us in to go talk, visit with them, and you're thinking, that sounds like a Jehovah's Witness, but we weren't, and sometimes they would let us in, sometimes we just had conversations on the porch, but you know what, the binder, so if they had objections, we had, we had things that we had learned to answer those objections, and it just seemed kind of strange, and it kind of um, seemed like it was driven a little bit by guilt, but this was our evangelism, which is another word for helping people connect with Jesus. That's how we did it in the 80s. And we would just show up on people, and even if they never came to the church, someone could just give us an address, and we would go. And we would show up, we'd knock on the door, and we would present this. And it kind of seemed, it kind of felt like high pressure. Have you ever been to like the the the, the timeshare presentations? <laughs> that's what it felt like. Horrible. I felt horrible about that. It, that's kind of what it felt like. Like it was kind of a pressured salesman. That's kind of the way it was done in the 80s. And I, it just never really set well with me, even though I was a part of that. Uh, that's just the way we did it. And there have been various other methods, a lot of them a lot shorter than memorizing a binder. Um, there's many, many other methods. But it, it's almost like we're a salesman trying to talk someone into following Jesus. Much more of a door-to-door -door salesman. It did not feel, to me anyway, natural. I just never really felt right about it. But that's all I was taught. And that's all I knew. So how about you? When it comes to being an ambassador of Christ with that that job that God has given you of reconciling, connecting people with Him. How have you approached it? What has been your experience with helping people connect with Jesus? Maybe for you, maybe you responded inside your head, well, it's not my job. <laughs> not my job. That's what the pastors are for. It's not my job. Well, I would say correct, it's really not a job at all, actually. It's worse. It's a command. It's not a job that he's asking you to do. It's a command that he has given you. It's a responsibility. It's a mission he has sent you on. It's, it's a trust that he has placed in your hands. And he is trusting that you will actually help connect people to Jesus. God has entrusted you and he's entrusted me with this all too important mission. Maybe you have said, well, I'm just not good at that. I mean, there's other people who can do that better. Let's let them do that. Well, maybe there are some other people who maybe they can do it better. But you know what? No one's really good at walking until they learn to walk. Have you seen that nine-month-old trying to walk? They're horrible. <laughs> they, are, 
they are horrible at it. They are clumsy, they fall, they, sometimes they fall forward, sometimes they fall backwards, sometimes they fall flat on their face, sometimes they just fall on their booty. They're horrible at walking. They're terrible at walking until they walk more and more and more. And you know, one day, one day, you look at them and you're like, wow. Wow. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. They're really good at that. (laughs) But they were horrible in the beginning. Do you know why? Because they didn't know how to walk. And they just hadn't walked. They hadn't practiced it. They haven't done it. But when you do that, the more you help people connect with Jesus, the more natural it becomes. And it's just like walking in a room. But right now, today... It may scare you to death. And it's only because we haven't been doing it yet. And as we do it, and the more we do it, the better we will get. No one in this room was a good walker until you kept walking. And one day you got it. And now you walk a lot, don't you? Yeah. Perhaps for you, you knew that you were supposed to do this. But maybe you looked for a way to do it without really having to do it. You know what I'm saying? You looked for a way to accomplish the task without really having to do it. So maybe you said, well, they can just watch the way I live. And they can learn by the way I live. So I'm going to try to live in such a way that that does everything for me. Well, here's my question. How did that work for you? If you have submitted your life to Christ, the vast majority, there may be a few exceptions, but the vast majority of us submitted our lives to Christ, those of us who have, Because of something that was said. And it settled in our heart. And God used it and grew something out of that, right? For the vast majority of us. So we really don't have an excuse to say, well, I'll just let them watch the way I live. Because that's not what God has commanded. He wants us to live in such a way. But he has commanded us to connect people with him. Maybe for you, maybe you wrote yourself an excuse note. And you said, I've got a doctor's note here. (laughs) I get out of it. I'm too shy. I get a pass. I'm too shy. Now, as I say this, I know you're not going to believe it. But it is the truth. There's not one single person in this room who is more shy than I was. And partially still am today. You may be equally shy to me, but I know there is not one person in this room who is more shy than I was. We don't get a pass on this. 
We don't get a pass. We don't get excused. This is, for those of you who grew up in the 80s or earlier, this is an all-skate. Everybody out on the rink, all-skate. This is all of us. Here's one of the most common excuses. I don't know what to say. And I, I didn't either. So I was told to memorize this, but I'm not going to tell you that. Because I don't think it's a good system. I don't think it's a good way. I, I didn't know what to say either. And you know what? While all the information that I memorized was accurate, there was still something vitally missing from all of that. And it is one word. Relationship. Relationship. Maybe your excuse for not being an ambassador for Christ with this whole task, this whole ministry, this trust of connecting people with Jesus, maybe yours is this. I, I don't want to pressure anyone. And I don't either. I, I just want to lovingly and kindly, compassionately, I want to show them the way out. If there were a fire in your house and you had guests there, maybe they didn't know their way around, I, I don't know. You had a fire in your house and you knew the way out and you just left. And left everybody there, left the kids in the rooms, left, left your guests in their rooms, and you just left. Is that very loving? Is that kind? Is that compassionate? No, it's none of those. If there were a fire in your house, you would let everyone know this is the way out. Do you really love someone if you don't show them and tell them the way out? But surely, surely we don't have to memorize a script. Surely we don't have to memorize a script. And surely we don't have to be like a salesman. Surely we don't have to pressure people and talk people into it and try to convince people. That's all so unnatural. Is there a natural way to do what God has asked us, commanded us to do? And as a matter of fact, there is. The greatest commandment, God said, love God with all of you. The second, he said, is equal to that. Love others. Loving God, that's what most of this journal is about. You loving God. But one single section in this journal is about you loving others. And it may be a small section, and it may be a small 
portion of this journal, but it is equally important to every other page in this journal. It is about you loving others. And you know what the truth is of this you loving others? It is the result of you loving God. The more you love God as you go through the process and and the discipline of you learning about, knowing about what God has written to you and you praying and have a conversation, a talk with God, the more you do that, the result of that is you loving others more. The more you spend time with God every day in prayer, similar to what we taught you how to do in week one, The more you spend time with God every day studying His Word one paragraph at a time, how we taught you to do in week number two, the more you spend time every week memorizing a verse, however long it takes you to do that, but the more you do that, like we taught you in week number three, then your life is going to become more and more and more full to the point that your life naturally overflows to the lives around you. And that is the point. As we love God more, our lives fill and overflow and we naturally love others around us more. Let me tell, give you a, a picture of how that works in Colossians. This is another letter of Paul, and he's written it to this church and, it, and with the intention that the letter would be sent around to all the churches. And here's what it says, Colossians 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And that is us digging into his word. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. You will overflow. As we spend time talking to God in a conversation, a relationship with God, and you spend time digging into His Word, and you spend time putting His words into your mind and memory, your life will begin to overflow. And there's a principle at work here. It's the overflow principle. Because as we begin this process, our lives are a little bit messy They're not clear. They're not what we want it to be. It's a little dark. It's a little messy. Our lives are messy. And the more that we are involved in having conversations with God, in studying His Word on our own, as we have taught you to do in week one, week two, and week three, the more we do that, God is pouring into our lives. You see... He doesn't just take the stuff out of our lives. He, put, he puts new stuff, His stuff, into our lives 
which overflows out the impurities, the other things. And the more that this process happens, the more our lives begin to take on what Jesus wants. And we don't just stop there. We continue to pour and our lives continue to overflow because you know what's inside comes out, right? So sometimes in the beginning, sometimes there's more bad coming out than good, right? We've been there. We understand that. But the more this happens, the more our lives begin to naturally now overflow the things of God into the lives around us through relationship and conversation. It's the overflow principle. And Paul is saying the more that we dig our roots into Jesus, the more our lives are going to overflow. The more we are going to fill our lives with what God has, and He's doing it, and it's going to displace the darkness with His light. It's naturally overflowing. And that overflow process in your life, as it begins to happen, it happens one person at a time in your life around you. One by one. So, let's do this. Are you ready? Let's do this. I want to take you to some words of Jesus found in Matthew 28. This is your cue. Matthew 28. We're going to start with verse 18. I want you to look at this on the screen. It's going to be here for you. It says, Jesus came and he told his disciples. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, if Jesus has all the authority, then that means I believe we need to begin to pray for those people around us that we hope one day our lives will, our imperfect lives will overflow into theirs. We need to begin to pray. So inside of your journal or on the page that you've, you have, if you're in the journal, go to the very back of the journal and then flip the there's one section then go to the next section and it says loving others loving others and you notice right there it says what is the name of a person who may not yet be a follower of Jesus and I want you to write that name right there or just put it their initials it's up to you you'll know who they are but either write their name or put their initials right there. That's for you. And my challenge is this. I want you to pray for that person every single day. If all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, then I believe Jesus is a great, great God that we should pray to Him and say, God, I am praying for this person. I hope you will help my life overflow 
into theirs so that I can do what you've asked me to do to help them connect with you. Pray for that person. So that's where their name goes. Notice what Jesus says next in verse, the beginning of verse 19. He says, uh, therefore, so since all of this power and authority has been given to Jesus, therefore, go. So he is telling you and he's telling me it is time to go and now do something. Don't just pray for them, but let's do something. It's time to take action. It's time to go love them. And I would say it's time to go serve that person. It's time to serve them. So notice inside your journal. It says, ask God to help you love and serve them toward Jesus. It's time to go. So that leads us to a question. What, what exactly might we be able to do to serve that person? person uh, if that person is a friend of yours at work, maybe they're getting a little bit behind at work because of the season or what's going on in life. Maybe they're getting a little bit behind. And so maybe, maybe you can serve them by helping them catch up at work. Or maybe that person is under extra stress in life or because of family issues or problems or maybe there's illness going on. So maybe you can serve that person by uh, picking up some, uh, a pizza or, or some fast food or maybe you can make them something and take it over to their house and just say, listen, I know life is tough right now. Things are going. I just want to make tonight a little easier. Here's, here's dinner, here's supper. Or maybe you do that for them at lunch, at work. I, I, I don't know, but you're looking for a way to serve them, to show them tangibly that you love them. That's just one way. Or maybe they have hurt their back. Or maybe they've, they're, they've hurt their leg or their ankle or their foot. And, and so maybe, maybe you just show up and you say, you unload your mower and you go mow their yard. Or maybe you remember, you have it on the calendar, you remember their birthday or their anniversary or a special day and you make something uh, or you say something special to them on that day to, to celebrate that with them. Maybe you buy them a movie ticket for them and one other person and you just say, hey, hey, just want you to go to the movie sometime and just... Enjoy yourselves. Or maybe you're going to get you a coffee and you pick them up a cup of coffee too and you take them a cup of coffee. Or maybe they're working outside and you know to, and maybe you take them a cold water bottle with water. You know, in life, here's just a simple way to look at it. If there's something that you do regularly, I, I bet there's something that they do too. And maybe you can help them in some way with that. If there's something you need in life, I bet they have a similar need. Maybe you can help them with that.
to serve them. There's another note down here towards the bottom of this page. It says, when appropriate. No, this is in the middle, I'm sorry. When appropriate, tell them you're praying for them. Let them know. At work. With someone in your family. Just say, I'm praying for you. There's people in my life, there's people every single week inside of Stuttgart Harvest Church that I go to and I say, listen, I'm praying for you today. How can I pray for you? And we take that a step further. Now, you do that same thing, only you do that with someone at work or someone in your family, someone outside of this room. And you say, listen, I am praying for some specific friends this week. And you're one of them. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Anything at all? And if they don't have anything, you say, that's great. I'm just going to pray that God gives you a good week. Or that God encourages you this week. And then really do go pray for them. Go pray for them. It says, when appropriate, tell them that you're praying specifically for your friends. Ask them, have, is there anything going on in your life that you can add to your prayer list? And then when they tell you, write it down and then pray for them. Don't write it down in your journal. Don't flip to your page and say, just write it down on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket, go add it to your journal later and pray for them. Pray for them. Every single day. Pray for them and pray for that. The next thing says, what are some ideas about how you can serve them? So I've already given you a few ideas, but you can come up with many, many more. Possibly hundreds more. But write down a few of those ideas about how you can specifically serve that person. Write them down. And as you do those items... Over the next several weeks, when you do that, check it off. Say, yeah, I did that. I served them that way. And, yep, I did that one too. So write down a plan. This is how I'm going to serve and love that person. Show love to that person. Here's how. And then check it off when you do it. And then Jesus goes on. Look at what he says next. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. And here's my encouragement to you. It says it right here, the next, the next phrase. Invite them to Stuttgart Harvest Church to sit right beside you. Go and make disciples. This is just a... A step in that process to go and make disciples. Invite them to sit down right beside you. Maybe even go and pick them up and bring them with you. Or maybe you you meet them in the parking lot so they don't have to walk into this building alone. That That can be enough to freak some people out. So you meet them in the parking lot and you walk in with them. And when you come inside the building, you show them around. You kind of let them know 
you know, you're going to get a name tag. Help them get their name tag. Get name tag. Show them where the cafe is. Get food and drinks and carry it with you in here. If you don't get anything, they're not going to. So get something and you get something for them. And you make your way in here. Maybe if they have kids, you help them check their kids in. You walk back there with them so they're comfortable. You get them checked in. And then you all come in here and you help. You find a seat. And they sit down right beside you. When you're walking down the hall, show them where the restrooms are. Just be their tour guide. And when you find a seat. And you're waiting on everything to start. Maybe you just simply tell them how much you love your church. Maybe you even tell them how you heard about Stuttgart Harvest Church the first time. Maybe you tell them what it was like for you the first time you came in. About how you maybe were nervous and you were anxious and tell them how it went. And maybe while you're waiting on things to start... Maybe you can tell them why you love Stuttgart Harvest Church. You know what it says next? It says, when appropriate, tell them how God is changing you. And then eventually invite them again to Stuttgart Harvest Church to sit down beside you. Now you say, okay, I'm, I'm not sure how to tell them how God is changing me. And I just want to give you four little sections, four or five sections. They're going to be on the screen here for you. You might jot those down if you want. You don't have to. This is just an idea. But if you're struggling, how do I tell somebody how God is changing my life? Well, here's an easy way to do it. You just simply answer those questions. You answer the question, what was your life like before you submitted to Jesus? You don't have to give them the details of how messy it was. But you know what? We have to admit to people that our lives are messy because that's the truth. And you know what? Our lives are still messy because that's the truth. But we have hope. So you tell them, here's what my life was like before Jesus. And then answer that question. What drew you toward Jesus? Why, why did you begin investigating Jesus? What, what was happening in your life that made you say, you know what? I really need a change. I need to check this out. I need something different. What was it for you? And then when did you submit your life to Jesus? When did you finally say, Jesus, you can have it. I, this was my life, but I'm giving it to you. When did that happen for you? You may not have used those words. That's okay. But when did you make him your boss? When did, when did you say, okay, I, I throw my hands up. This life is yours, Jesus. You can have it. You bought it. When did you do that? And then, what is your life like now with Jesus? And it is not perfect. No. But what's your life like now? Why do you have a hope now? Just simply tell them your story when it's appropriate and you know what you do after that you keep praying for them you keep talking to them you keep telling them your story and you know what else you do you come over here and you add more people back here 
say, oh, there's another blank. Who, who is someone else in my life that I can, I'm not sure if they're a follower of Jesus, so I'm going to put them there, and I'm going to begin praying for them, and I'm going to go through the same process. And you keep adding people, keep adding people, keep adding people, as your life is overflowing naturally into theirs. You should always have new friends and family coming onto your prayer list of people that you are loving toward Jesus. You know what? One of Satan's most powerful weapons is a silent Christ follower. That shall not be us, right? May we choose to grow to the point that our lives overflow into the lives of others. Do you know what Jesus said next? Listen to what he said next. McKinley's going to put it on the screen. This is amazing to me. I love this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. You know what we do? We celebrate baptisms at Stuttgart Harvest Church. They're a big deal to us. We celebrate them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you know what? That's what we're going to do right now. I want you to read this verse on the screen while I quickly get ready and we baptize right now. It's a little chilly, isn't it? <laughs> All right, I want you right here. My friends, family at Stuttgart Harvest Church, this is Christy. Hi. Christy, Jesus is changing your life, isn't he? Yes, sir. You believe that he died on the cross for you, don't you? Yes, sir. Three days later, he rose again. And you've submitted your life to him. Yes, sir. All right. Is your life perfect? No. No, mine neither. But he's in your life. Yes, sir. And he is in the process of making big changes, isn't he? Yes, sir. And it is my happy privilege. And when we baptize Christy here in just a moment, I want to hear you clap like you've never clapped before. Because we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is in your heart, in your life. His Spirit is there making changes. Let's celebrate that together. Christy, step right up here. I want you to lift your hand up. Hold your nose. I baptize you, my friend and my sister, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready? Here we go. All right. Let me hug your neck. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you, Christy. I am too. All right. You step right out here. All right. Here we go. Okay. Be careful. You good? Okay. All right. Christy, you just stand right there and kind of help them as they step on this. All right. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to help you down here. Are you ready? It's a little chilly. You're going to be good, though. All right, Lord, you just hang on to both handles there. Are you ready? Come on down. Here we go. Okay. All right, Lord, you're doing good. It rocks a little bit, but it's not going anywhere. Okay. Are you ready? Abby, you come on in. Lay your towel right there, okay? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cold. It's chilly. But you know what? It is so hot outside. This is going to be nice. This is my friend, Laura. Okay, are you all right, Abby? Come on in here. Y'all stand. Yeah, you stand right there. Abby, you stand. Yeah, she's good. She's just fine. Okay. It is so cold. All right, here we go. This is Laura Jo. That's what I call her. 
Laura, you believe that Jesus died for you, don't you? And you know what? This has been a journey, hasn't it? To be at this point right here today. Jesus Christ died for you. Three days later, he rose again. And he's your boss, isn't he? Life's not perfect, though, is it? But he is, he is in the process. Are you okay? All right. It's, he is in the process of changing you from the inside out. All right. It is my privilege to get to baptize you, Laura Jo, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? All right. Oh, good. Now, Laura, you're going to help me baptize Abby. Come over here. Abby, y'all have had many conversations, haven't you, about Jesus and making him the boss of your life? You believe he died on the cross for you? And three days later, he rose again. It is my privilege, Abby, to get to baptize you with your mama here in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Yes. All right. Now, you come over here. We're going to pray for you. Someday she's going to be baptized too. Someday she is. All right. Let's pray for all of these today. God, we are so grateful, so grateful that you died for us, that you rose again, you defeated death, and you have given us the message of reconciliation. So God, I pray for Laura Joe and for Abby. And I pray for this little one here as one day she's going to trust you too and submit to you. I pray for Christy. God, I just pray that you would guide us and lead us and change us from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right, as they continue to play, I want to finish my teaching from right here. Because Jesus had some more to say, and I want to let you know what that is. He said, now, after you baptize them, he said, teach these new... Go ahead and leave that up there on the screen for me. He said, after you baptize them, here it comes. Or did the computer crash? Somebody give me a word. I can't hear you. Do we have that verse? Okay, there we go. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. So once you baptize them, he said, now teach them. And that's not just the job of what we do on Sunday mornings. This is a job, this is a task, a trust that God has even given you. Now, you know what we have been teaching you during this series, week one, and week two, and week three. Now, when you get to be a part of seeing that person become a disciple and seeing them baptized, then you get to help them learn the very same thing we're teaching you in that journal about how to have a conversation with God, about how to go into His Word and take those things into our own lives and begin to live them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And then he says this, and be sure of this. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when the king would send an ambassador, he was on his own then. But Jesus said, huh, when I send you, 
I'm going with you. And I'm going to be with you through this whole process. As our song, right, as our prayer right now, I want you to sing along with Anna. Sing this song as a prayer. Two songs. Okay. 